when you're doing the pilot, you already have to have the full contract on the table and the clients want that. Enterprise clients want to see that before and you already want them to be looking at that and closing the deal with their legal team. 99.9% .9 of the time when clients come in with a pilot, they'll, they'll subscribe to a full contract afterwards for us. Today we're speaking with Amanda Flazing, Marketing Director at SuccessFinder, an enterprise software company based in Quebec. Amanda shares how they've been able to articulate the value of their product to multiple decision makers within enterprise accounts, and how sales and customer success can work seamlessly with marketing towards a common objective. Enjoy! about SuccessFinder. What is SuccessFinder? So SuccessFinder helps uh, HR teams make more confident decisions with that uh, data-backed people analytics. And all of that is stemming from our behavioral assessment. And we help them in two ways with predictive hiring and talent management. Nice. What is it like for companies to be hiring talent today in today's marketplace where you have a very distributed workforce. People are working in their pajamas, in their own bedrooms. Um, what is it like? I mean, it's a lot of the same challenges as before, plus more you know, new challenges. Uh, but really what happens is um, where we come in to help people or help HR teams is uh, with behavioral analytics. So looking at, you'll, they'll often hire for skills, experience, et cetera, but people will hire fire for behavior. So we come in to give them that behavioral data and predictive uh, input for success in a role or success within a culture of a company. What's the product like? How do you guys measure behavior? So everything comes from our psychometric assessment. So it's a 344th choice uh, assessment. And uh, with all of those results, we can see uh, what people's natural behavior preferences are. And from there, we can then benchmark for specific roles if you'll be a good fit for that role. Or we'll also do a culture fit analysis uh, for a company to see what how that person would fit with your company culture. Cool. When companies are using this the product, like what kind of stages are they in usually? Are they scaling like... Do they get like a round of funding? Then it's like, okay, we have to hire 50 or 100 people all at once. Is that, are those the kind of scenarios they're in or is it more like a once at a time kind of thing? We're using, so we are a SaaS company and uh, we really work with mostly large enterprises that are hiring, you know, several hundred roles a year. And it's not that they're startup, like they're mature enterprises and uh, they just need to be constantly hiring. So we help them with that mass hiring for entry-level roles from, from that, but all the way up to leadership uh, executive roles. Yeah. And our tool is a platform. So you get fed, it is fed by all the results of the assessments. And then from there, the HR teams can visualize who is at their company, what strengths or what areas of development. And you can really accompany an employee from 
they're onboarding or like from first recruiting them, looking, seeing if they're the right candidate, if they're a good fit on different aspects and then onboard them using that data and then develop their talent, see like if they can move uh, laterally or horizontally like up the ladder of leadership, we like to call it. Um, so we have yeah. a framework for that. Very all encompassing. <laughs> so it's really not, it's, yes, it's used for the hiring process, but like it's almost like uh, employers are able to better understand the employees that they even have. So not just in that single moment of hiring, but even beyond that, like three or four years down the road, they're able to see like what parts of the puzzle are fitting together towards the greater mission. Absolutely. So we have two, uh, we like to separate our solutions into two divisions and of a sort. Uh, so predictive hiring, like that we've, we were talking about with your hiring question, but also talent management, which is a really big part of it. And we do have several clients that come in straight up for talent management right away. They have a requirement exactly to better understand their employees, make sure the employee experience is up to par, you know, self-awareness, but then also understanding who your teams is as a manager also, and as an HR, as an HR executive. What kind of behavioral tendencies are you testing for? What is it that you're testing for? I'm not a uh, product specialist, okay. not, nor a PhD okay. in uh, IO psychology, which we do have quite a few of cool. um, at SuccessFinder, but we're really testing for natural pre preferences. So psychometric assessments will really give you someone's personality, which is really stable over time. Mm. Uh, from when you're younger, maybe your lifestyle priorities would change, but other than that, everything is, is quite stable with someone's personality. And from there, you can see like there's no perfect or there's no ideal or best uh, profile. Everyone's different and unique. And that's where I come in with the branding and having uh, visualizations like a barcode per person. And what we do at SuccessFinder is different than uh, a lot of maybe traditional assessments in that we don't categorize people in like, let's say, five different colors mm. because we are the depth and richness of the data that we collect uh, really allows us to have millions of different variations of profiles and every person is unique. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So are, are you able to take all the data from the different users? Or I guess you call them users or employees, the people. Yeah, who, it could be employees, yeah. candidates or whoever. Yeah. Are you able to take the data from the candidates and compare them to one another? Like, so not just individually, but I'm sure you've had quite a few people take this, this test. Are you able to take in that new data and then uh, kind of build out like this whole, this huge mountain of data that you can analyze even from one company to another? Well, we do have um, in our, our privacy and security policy. So at each of our clients, which are large companies own their own data but and on their on their own employees or candidates but we do collect anonymized data for r d purposes to exactly be able to uh look at different roles create benchmarks and and continue to develop uh in the r d team that's re that's really cool and I, I would imagine for customers who are large customers they have a whole lot of requirements in terms of personal information and privacy Yes, that's really important to them. We work with a lot of financial, different financial institutions. So uh, security and privacy is extremely important to us. 
So maybe for other like SaaS companies that are starting up where uh, and are familiar with uh, SOC 2, type 2 is this classification of certification we got for that. Um, so an important requirement when working with the larger companies and moving up market. <laughs> yeah, sp speaking of which, actually, how long have you been with the company? I've uh, one year, nine months, eight months. Right on. At your time at the company, have you have you focused on the enterprise level sales or I think you had mentioned that you're, you're even considering moving down market, like exploring <laughs> the down market opportunities. Yeah. What, what has that yeah. experience been like? Well, so we've been really, I'd say 90% or more focused on uh, enterprise type clients. So B2B, um, a thousand plus employee type of prospects. And uh, it means close work with the sales team. I'm the head of marketing and I go to all their weekly sales meetings so that I can stay on top of like who their contact list is. It means working with their tier one targets. So let's say making sure your sales team like has tier one, tier two, tier three, or however you want to call them targets and then uh, ABM campaign. So account-based marketing making sure we're hitting different people within those same uh, accounts. So within a same company, um, yeah, that's a lot more, there's a lot of sales enablement yeah. in, uh, and a lot of collaboration with the sales team. Yeah. Yeah. And what's, what is the difference between sales enablement and ABM? Like, or like the, I would imagine the lines get kind of blurry. A little bit. So we like to classify sales enablement as like purely the PowerPoints they'll use, the brochures they'll need, make sure they have the best proposal possible, um, give them the templates, uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, the ABM campaign, for example, on LinkedIn, uh, I'll make sure I'm targeting their uh, prospect group, their tier one targets and work on the messaging and the cop like so the copy and the visuals um less in collaboration maybe with the team and just get them make sure it's aligned with the messaging that they're putting out there that's really interesting that you say so are you, are you using linkedin as your primary abm platform yeah yeah 100 percent. right and actually on uh for google ads are you running google ads for like your dad market work like the, the not, 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 super not yet, based, not yeah. just, yeah, not quite yet. It's just not as account based. It's just like on, on the keywords, like right. you can't, you know, use that level of targeting that you can get on LinkedIn with those specific companies right. and stakeholders that the team wants to uh, reach. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been in the LinkedIn ads platform? It's just been a few months, like maybe uh, two, three months. We're still relatively new and uh, seeing some good results. Yeah. It's just hard uh, to, to really see what the attribution model is. If mm. it's, I need to get the feedback from the team, like did your contact see the ad or how did they get to us? Or yeah. So it's a little um, more qualitative than quantitative right, right. in terms of like regular digital marketing. Right, right. and isn't, isn't that kind of the nature of ABM though? Like you have accounts and you're like, we know that we want these accounts and right now they're in the 
they're in the we have not closed these accounts column and then ultimately mm -hmm. you turn the red dots into the green dots um exactly and it's, it's, abm even outside of linkedin is pretty hard to measure directly but if you have um if you have like a select group of accounts that you know you want to go after do you have any sort of like a b testing to see like here's what we're using with linkedin here's when we're just strictly outbound so you can measure that way even if, even if you can't attribute directly to that no i mean i i do a b testing on other things but that's a definitely a good idea like what if i left out you know 10 accounts that they're targeting and see did all the other ones close uh but then you know is it circumstantial is it like how do you have like a proper distribution of those yeah. accounts yeah uh it's <laughs> getting into the nitty-gritty yeah. but it would be interesting to test and then once you do close those accounts is it because you know the salesperson has been really uh reaching out to right. doing all their follow-ups and you know close that deal and how much did the marketing aspect help right maybe subconsciously yeah. how much like those eight touch points yeah. was marketing maybe like three of them or two right. or <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I know that this is like a common struggle that a lot of companies have which is you you own a number and you're you're responsible for meeting something but then there's sort of like this like hey we won no we won no we're taking the credit no i'm taking the credit what's that experience been like i don't know if i'm asking i don't know if i'm prying too much well, into no, like no, private not information but not what all, what has that balance all. been like well for us we're actually um pretty like we're very collaborative and uh okay with that qualitative aspect and there are other elements that will track more closely uh let's say like other campaigns that are non-abm so our leadership team like our executive team uh, is totally aware of that and i so we haven't really had that conflict That's cool. of you know like i'm not going to go and as a marketing team fight to get the attribution for those deals that right. the sales team closed right. i'm just happy to help them and i think that's there has to be a balance. There can't be that fight for uh, right. for, <laughs> for the attribution. Yeah. And then uh, so that part will, I guess we can put the ABM into the sales enablement, like you were saying, like there's that portion or that way of thinking of it. Yeah. And then like, obviously the inbound leads coming through our website or landing pages are much easier yeah. to, uh, to own. Right, right. <laughs> totally. What is it like to be in this position where, where you're eyeing down market? What's making you consider uh, trying to have like a down market strategy? Requests coming in for smaller companies or uh, individual coaches or, you know, like different types of users. So we really uh, try to be market driven and listen to like what, what our customers or prospects or what people are asking for. So there's always uh, room to experiment fail fast if we need to. Um, we're not taking our eyes off the prize or off the ball of, you know, we are a B2B enterprise-wide SaaS player. Mm. And that's where our tool really shines and where we have the most experience. But it's good to uh, see how we can help, how we can make more of a difference, really bringing self-awareness, self-improvement, career development to uh, more people, like democratizing it. Yeah, that's cool. And I know even for like a young company, like a young, small company, the hires that they make early on have incredible effect 
years to come. Like if you're building your foundation, you want to have the right people in place in the beginning. So you have a chance to succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, that's why we, we do get a lot of requests from startups or, you know, smaller companies looking to hire those critical players and they can't afford to make a mistake. Right. Um, so you want to make sure that yes, like you're getting the brightest and the most experienced, but that personality or the behaviors have to fit with you as a founder, the rest of your team, they have to bring, um, strengths that maybe you might not have and also fit within that culture because if we're talking about startups SaaS startups even more it's quite a unique company culture that not everyone will fit into and and it's hard to uh, have turnover when you're that small it sounds like you guys have a scientific data-driven approach to hiring before this technology this even this kind of technology people would basically just kind of hire on this like i feel good about this like you, you close, you close out the interview and it's like, you know, I think this, I think this is our person. I think this is it. Yeah. And they feel I it. Can... They feel it viscerally. Like you close the meeting and you got good vibes. Everyone's feeling good. Yeah. All those answers were good. Answered the questions really well. Seemed to everything on paper looks great. And then sometimes those turn into surprises later down yeah. the road. How is this process different? Like are people finding their gut is, is there a conflict between that gut visceral, like, I feel good about this and the data? Do they ever- Absolutely. Do they ever like, <laughs> yeah, this is obvious, obviously not, not the right person, but the data says it is. Do you guys ever have yeah. that kind of thing? Um, it's, it's often the other way around. Uh, and we have uh, our content specialist has written a few, uh, three articles on bias. And it's crazy how much- uh, bias we all have, you know, like not that we, we don't, it's subconscious bias, but we all have as humans, all kinds of types of bias. Like it's just the subconscious bias that we do need to be more and more aware of. And it's been like a hot topic as of, you right. know, the last year for sure. And in right. so many different ways, but there are so, there are several articles that say that the interview is useless. And why is that? Because we have so much bias in the during an interview and you really want to try to look at a higher more of the most objectively as possible uh most objectively possible so look at the data look at like how would this person react like how did they solve problems how did they collaborate with other with others what motivates them um and that's different for each person and the fit with you, if you're the hiring manager and you're, you'll be working with them, you want to make sure that's a good fit, the fit with the role, like how does, what does this person need to accomplish this role successfully? Um, you need to make sure that most of the tasks that are going to be within their day, that they'll feel good about doing them. Of course, there are always elements like there's no perfect job or perfect position. Like there's always things that people don't like, but it has to be most of it, things that they'll like doing. Right. Yeah. I've definitely even personally been in situations where, you know, I've, I've been in a job and realized this does not even fit. Like I thought, I thought it was going to be good, but like, it's actually diametrically opposed to my nature. Exactly. So That's exactly it's, it. It's, it's, so, it's almost like we're going in blind, both employee and employer. We're kind of going in blind. Like, feel, like we kind of tell our own stories. Like I can imagine something that's not real 
and then I get really yeah. attached to that kind of like um like shopping for a home it's like you walk in through the doors and you're like wow this could be my bedroom okay this and that and you get so attached to the home and then the inspector shows up and he's like uh, actually you got some rot on the floorboards and like this and that and then like that's not really how you're supposed to shop for homes you're supposed to go into the home and just look at it like cold just totally objective like yeah i guess this home is okay does it fit a three yep three bedrooms okay two baths all right okay um, yeah yeah and it's, and it's, it's really so hard. hard to do that <laughs> it's so hard it's so hard to do that definitely hard to do that and then i mean taking this back to the interview so when i would interview someone i would make sure to look at their uh profile their report first so to see what their um behavioral strengths are like what they're they really would excel at and what maybe areas to develop and like how would that fit with this role and then have some questions it'll help me develop some questions for the interview that are like probing questions to ask, you know, like in this situation, how would you feel about right. that? And just so that it's an enlightened conversation for from both ends, because sometimes it is okay to tell the candidate, like, I don't think you would be happy in this role. This is the reality of the role. And it looks like you, it wouldn't be a good fit and you would be unhappy. And they'll be thankful that you uh, were honest yeah. and told them what you saw. Yeah. And so, so the workflow is actually the candidate. Can you walk me through the workflows? The candidate fills out the form and then they'll have the interview. So ideally what we recommend to clients. So the assessment is online. You can do it on any type of device, mobile or laptop or tablet, And, um, a few days, ideally before the interview, so that the hiring manager or the HR team has time to look at their profile and prepare the interview in light of what they see. So they can like have an enlightened uh, interview and prepare like some probing questions to dive into some potential issues that they see. And then after that, like those results are also used on the onboarding. Because after that discussion, let's say like it was really generally a good fit, but we see some areas that might be a bit more challenging or require more effort from that person, then you can, you know, really give like uh, most of our reports have coaching tips. So you can use those coaching tips on, you know, developing the person into the role uh, during onboarding and later on. Man, that is so, that is so nice. It's pretty cool. I would imagine you guys have happy customers, right? We do. We're really lucky to uh, have great testimonials that we've been running actually a testimonial campaign over the last uh, months and uh, clients that are that are happy to uh, give us those quotes. And we started doing videos uh, with them so <laughs> that we had to put that on pause um, with the recent pandemic. But oh, uh, hopefully yeah, I, know, I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. I know. I know what you're Hopefully, about. 2021 will be yeah. back in action, yeah. uh, filming on on location. Yeah. But uh, so, um, going back to the idea of moving up market. So, you guys actually started as a company. You started up market, and that was just sort of like the pro. This is what the product the product is ideal for enterprise usage. The way we were developed from a typical assessment and became a SaaS company three years ago um, was really for those large clients. Uh, so we, 
the platform was really built so that you can see all your candidates, all your employees on, on a big dashboard and have that visibility. And then also save time when you're hiring, like doing mass hiring or like, you know, uh, hiring for a high volume role um, that, you know, it, it saves probably 30% of your time as a, as an HR team. Yeah. The sales, if it was just a strictly, like you have a product that's built for enterprise and then the obvious first step to get the thing off the ground is outbound sales. And then sort of the foundation is built there and then you're coming in on marketing and are you, are you amplifying what they're doing? You're complimenting what they're doing. How do the prospects find a need for what you have? Like, is it, is it a nice to have or a must have? Do they have some sort of event or something that's happening inside the company that that's a pain point that they say, oh my God, we have to have this because there's, this is a pretty competitive market. Mm -hmm. HR tools are very competitive. And, you know, especially when you get into the enterprise level, they'll have like a tech stack that's in place. They've already had that in place for 10 years next to their fax machine. And so I would imagine it's, it's a, a complicated and difficult task to get into those companies that are so oftentimes set in their ways. How are you guys getting into their minds, getting into the minds and the hearts for them to see if they have a problem or if there's like, see if there's room for improvement? That's exactly uh, the journey. <laughs> Because we all know the enterprise uh, sales, uh, the cycle is really long. So from the time that first contact, you enter the lead in the CRM to the time you actually close the deal, that sales cycle can be sometimes, you know, six months, eight months, 12 months we've seen. Um, but it's little by little. The need comes through, like sometimes they have a pressing pain point and the the sales cycle will be shortened. Mm. Uh, so let's say if they have really high turnover and need something to solve solve that urgently, yeah. then we'll step. It, we'll be able to step in and help really fast. Right. If it's that they're you know unhappy with their current solution, sometimes that will take a little bit more time and right. convincing the other stakeholders. Um, but or at a larger enterprises, like you're not making just one pitch you're not meeting them just once and closing the deal you're meeting like four five six times right. different stakeholders like an entire yeah. 12 people <laughs> like yeah. so the sales team sales and marketing teams need to be ready for that um right. length yeah. <laughs> of sales cycle and then yeah. how do you we keep finding tactics to shorten it so there's the traditional uh, go in with the pilot mm -hmm. as something a bit smaller or have it as a proof of concept um so that's what I would recommend for, for companies starting and going up market. Yeah. Yeah. The pilot seems like a great strategy. And I've, I've heard that there's an idea of you enter the pilot with the customer understanding like, Hey, if we can prove to you that this is in fact going to solve your problem, whether it's turnover or whatever, like that immediate pain is, yeah. do you, do you have pilots that are almost like, half-baked contracts that you work out together of course when you're doing the pilot you already have to have the full contract on the table and the clients want that enterprise clients 
want to see that before and the MSA for a pilot might be shorter, but the one for the full contract mm -hmm. is much longer so that you already want them to be looking at that and closing the deal with their legal team. Usually, like we 99.9% uh, .9 of the time when clients uh, come in with a pilot, they'll, they'll subscribe to a full uh, contract afterwards for us. So yeah. it's just an opportunity to prove yourself if you're confident with right. your solution and your team. Uh, we have a great CSS team. So the customer uh, success and solutions right. guys are implementing and that we have a team of IO psychologists uh, within those. So great support and onboarding uh, yeah. for our clients. So, and it's really having that incredible experience is critical even post sale of the pilot. Absolutely. So I think in marketing, when you're in a um, up market, it's really the marketing as an experience from the first touch point with the pro with the prospect to when someone's your client, you want to make sure you're constantly like delighting them. Even once they're out of the pilot, they're like a client for a three, five year contract. It's still our important uh, role, even with marketing to collaborate with CSS to make sure that those customers uh, are happy yeah, and more than happy that they're thriving and they're, you know, maximizing their usage and, you know, seeing the latest and greatest stuff. How can we make your experience better? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of collaboration. Yeah. That's awesome. In terms of marketing, if these sales cycles are so long, um, I know that oftentimes sales teams kind of go it goes dark like the deal kind of goes dark like you may have some touch points you're six months 12 months 18 months and um a sales team can't just circle back hey just circling back on that uh that thing we were talking about uh are you ready <laughs> you know so is there something that marketing can do during that time during those 12 months those 18 months you're feeding me the, the answers here, but definitely that ABM campaign and make sure we're nurturing them with the email campaigns, for example, sending them uh, new information that came out. Oh, look, we have this new feature that came out that might interest you. We have a new article. Make sure you're following us on LinkedIn. We're posting new articles, follow our blog. You know, just like little opportunities, whatever opportunities we as a marketing team can give to the sales team to follow up with those uh, clients is always a plus too. Yeah. And do, do you guys tend to circle that on like, so if you have that, that common pain point, like the turnover, are you able to have like marketing creative that's about turnover? So, cause like, especially in a larger company, yeah, there's like problems. Like, of course we're like a huge company and like every huge company has a problem. And sometimes those problems just kind of get like buried down or like, brushed under the rug and it's like, we'll figure it out some other time. Um, but um, I, I kind of like this idea of like bringing up the pain and making it more urgent, like at, at every touch point, like, hey, remember the, uh, remember that big problem you were talking about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, we're also, we've been developing an ROI calculator so oh, to really nice. show the impact of uh, what that our solution has. Yeah. So we're actually, we'll be launching that shortly. That's wonderful. And uh, whoever wants it can reach out to me. That's wonderful. Um, and you'll just have to fill in our form and can get to play around with the calculator. 
put in, you know, how many employees you have, what's your turnover, etc. Oh, cool. all kinds of information, and you'll see how the numbers move around. Yeah. So we have two, like, working with like enterprise type prospects, we have many touch points mm -hmm. at one company. Yeah. And some of those stakeholders are really uh, motivated by, uh, by ROI right. and seeing like they're going to spend, you know, a significant amount. What will that bring back to them? And uh, it's important for us to show that to them, especially the executive team. Yeah. And how are you developing messaging for those different stakeholders? Like on the individual contributor level, on like the people who would be like actually working with the product itself. But then you have, like you said, probably a CFO who's going to be like, all right, what's the ROI on this? How, yeah, that's how, the challenge. How do you develop the message for all those different people? That's the challenge. And we can't talk to everyone on our website. So no. like on the website, we decided who we'll be targeting and one mm. persona. And then we're actually developing one or two maybe other pages for different personas. The other personas can go to landing pages and you can have a campaign, for example, again on LinkedIn, because we target HR, mm -hmm. uh, LinkedIn is, is a really good channel yeah. for us. So yeah. again, on LinkedIn, you can really narrow down to the seniority or the persona that you're looking for and then drive them to a specific landing page with messaging targeted for them and their specific needs. Yeah, that's super cool. In, in terms of ROI, even for what what you're focusing on just internally, uh, do you see more return on any marketing efforts that's tied with like post-sale? So customer success to get that flywheel, the testimonials, do you see more return on investment for your, for your focus on that post-sale marketing? That's really, it's been a challenging one for us to measure. And uh, we have a plan in place for 2021 to get more rigorous with the NPS and like just measuring like the, the satisfaction of our clients, not anecdotally and not like that they say, you know, to their account manager, they're so happy on every call, but yeah. to have the, the numbers, uh, but it would be hard to measure like to, to say, you know, okay, from this marketing campaign, resulted in customers um in an expansion sale let's say or in anything else mm -hmm. or was it the account manager or i mean typically called bdr like business development rep that's mm -hmm. doing that upsell and cross sell right, so right. Yeah. so it's a it's another it's hard metric to really keep track of but right. i did put it like i think it is an important element of uh marketing objectives that customer delight um, right. needs to be in there, whether we can really measure it or not. Unfortunately, yeah. like it's not so clear cut, but it is on a, on a scale from, to keep there. On a scale from one to 10, how delighted are you? It's like, yeah, I'm like, super delighted. Yeah. <laughs> Checking like nine or 10. Oh, so it's nine or 10. Exactly. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> ROI achieved. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Zero churn is what drives us uh, right. all and ma yeah. maintaining that. So we're lucky enough to to be at that uh, kind of percentage, which is yeah. really rare in a so you guys are at SaaS zero. business. We're at, at zero. zero. Well, there you Knock go. On wood. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing <laughs> nothing better than zero zero churn. <laughs> Negative churn. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what, what is, neg what is negative churn? Is that like, what if someone stayed, I don't know. What if someone stayed longer than they were supposed right. to? Or... We just let the contract lapse <laughs> by accident. <laughs> I don't know. How would you get to negative churn? 
That would be that would be wild. One company became two. Oh yeah, yeah. It sometimes <laughs> happens. So say we have someone who's listening to the podcast, and they say, "Man, all these things that we're talking about, like being able to understand hiring decisions from a data-led perspective, reducing churn. How do they find out more about what you guys do?" Check us out at successfinder.com. And uh, especially if you're an enterprise uh, type of uh, business, then we'll be, we'll be uh, ready to serve you right away. And we are working also on being able to serve smaller customers um, and give, give other options. But definitely uh, check us out. Uh, our blog is up and running. We'll be really posting a lot more in 2021. Follow us on LinkedIn. That's where it's all happening. Hey, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, it would be awesome if you could leave a rating and maybe even like a little review on the Apple Podcasts app. The podcast is probably going to slow down just a tiny little bit here with the holidays, but uh, we'll be back to it very soon. Peace.